When you're talking about tactical empathy, you are trying to understand, recognize, get a hold of the perspective of your counterpart. You're not just looking or listening for what they're saying. Okay? You're also looking at what they're doing. So when you get to the point where you're trying to label, when you get to the point where you're, you're trying to think so hard about what you're actually going to say next, remind yourself, one, not to do that, but two, look at them. Because if you're talking to someone and they're looking at you like this, what does that mean? Who can give me a label? Sounds like what? Yeah, confused. Or was that one? I call this one pissed. <laughs> Just saying. Um, you can get things from people non-verbally, but not if you're so focused in your own mind about what you're going to say next. Put all of your effort into looking at their body language, listening to the words that are coming out of their mind, and trying to figure out what they're not saying. People will tell you things all day long. They have information that will be important to you, that, that'll be useful to you to figure out what's going on, but they don't know that. They don't know that. They don't know they have that information. The way you get it is by labeling and mirroring to get a little deeper into what they're talking about. That's how you get to that why behind what's happening. Okay? That's what you're striving for. And then Carl Rogers, who basically is where we, we got this stuff, psychotherapist, 1950s, he created all this stuff and we stole it for law enforcement in the 1980s. And it went into the business world, mid-2000s, when, when Chris and Brandon really started going out there and hitting the road. And then, you know, when Never Split the Difference got released in 2016, Tactical Empathy was whoo, released on the population. A lot of you have come here today because you want to learn how to negotiate. You want to learn how to be a killer negotiator. You're going to walk away from here with a lot more than that. You're going to walk away from here with a brand new way to communicate. And if you are here and your spouse is at home, when you go home a different person, they're going to say, I don't know what the hell happened to you in Chicago, but you need to go there again. <laughs> because I've had several coaching clients tell me, you saved my marriage. Because in a marriage, you get used to each other, you get comfortable, you know, you get like, you know exactly what they're going to say and do, so where are you listening? What level are you listening at? Maybe one, if you're lucky. That person is the most important person in your life. You should be on a much higher level of listening with that person. My relationship person is going, mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so it's not about being nice. It's not about liking them. It's not about them liking you. It's not about getting along with them. You think we actually liked or got along with or made friends with the people we were dealing with at the police department? I can tell you, I worked sex crimes for 12 years. I did not like the people that I had to deal with. But they walked out of there, my best friend. I got a lot of confessions with this stuff just by listening and making them feel heard. And sometimes I had to kind of, you know act like it, whatever they were thinking or doing was okay. It wasn't. But, hey, I could, I could have won an Emmy. And I'm sure everybody else at that table is the same thing. We could have won Emmys for those performances that we did. This is not about you feeling someone else's feelings. Okay? It's not about that. You don't have to feel what they're feeling. It's not, it's not sympathy. 
It's empathy, empathy, knowing, describing, understanding what's going on on the other side, not feeling it. We wouldn't be here right now. We'd all be locked up with some kind of weird PTSD from all the stuff we had to deal with if we used sympathy as opposed to empathy. This is why it is the calibrated application of emotional intelligence. You're doing it on purpose. But I will tell you, when you start practicing it and you start doing it a lot more often, it becomes more natural. It becomes kind of a way of life. And I'm going to pick on Michael back there in the corner. He's probably our, our expert student in the class. How long was it before you started seeing differences in the relationships that you had, not only at the negotiation table, but in your life when you were using these skills? And when something good happens, what do you want to do? do more. Yes, you want to do more. You want it to keep happening. It's like this little addiction, right? It's this little dopamine thing where all of a sudden everything is going really well and you're feeling good and you're getting great responses. And your wife and you start getting along, or your husband and you start getting along, and you're like, wow, this stuff is amazing. It doesn't take that much. It really doesn't take that much. 64 to 67 repetitions of any one of our skills will get you paving that neural pathway. That's what it takes to get it started. That doesn't mean you're an expert at it, trust me. That's what it takes to get it started because right now your brain has no map for what you're going to be trying to do today. Your brain is going, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And this is confusing and what? Stop. You've got to push through that. Through awkwardness is learning, just like Brandon was saying earlier. The more awkward you feel, the more you're actually learning, the more scrambled up your brain is getting, the more it's trying to work it out, the harder it tries to work it out, the faster you're going to get a hold of it. That's why making mistakes is important. So today, when we put you guys into any exercises, I want you to remember that you are here today to get better at this. Everyone around you is here today to get better at this. So if we put you in groups later, and you're the trickster who says, this is not going to work on me, you're not only messing up your own learning, you're messing up the person who you're working with, you're messing up their learning too. Okay. We know anybody can beat this if they want to. I can sit down with you and make you look like a complete fool when you try to use this on me because I know how to subvert it. That's not what we want here today. This is a lab, a learning lab, where we want you guys to be helpful to each other with learning the skills and being able to do them correctly. So if you're assertive like me and you want to play a game, don't do it today, please. Or come find me. I'll gladly play assertive games with you in mind um, all day long. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so if you're one of those people and you just feel like, I can't sit down and be nice, come talk to me. We'll have a good time. <laughs> no problem. Don't talk to Troy, though. He's too nice. <laughs> and Barbara will analyze you. That's how it works. We're a good team. So when you're using tactical empathy, are you not allowed to be assertive? Does getting to tactical empathy mean that you can never be assertive in a conversation? It doesn't. It doesn't. If it did, I wouldn't exist because I am so assertive. You can be assertive with someone. You just can't do it in an assertive tone of voice. If you have a good tone of voice, you can say anything to anybody and they're going to be okay with it. Just go to France. They say all kinds of weird stuff all the time, but that language is just so beautiful that they're telling you to go screw yourself and you don't even know it. You're like, oh, that sounds cool. So you can say anything to anybody with the right tone of voice and the right attitude behind it. And with listening for what their response is, you can say anything to anybody and they're going to be okay with it. 
And we're going to give you a way to help that later on. We're going to talk about accusation audits this afternoon. That's another thing you do before you deliver bad news, before you ask somebody for something. You put an audit out there, that's another way to soften up anything you want to say. It helps if you need to be a little bit assertive. Okay, so no, you can be assertive with tactical empathy. You know, people are going to test you. They're going to feel like, oh, you're a pushover, that, you, that they can take advantage of you, and they're going to give you way more information because they feel like they can talk and do, say whatever they want, and you're not, going to, you're not going to do anything about it. That's a good skill to have. You're going to gather so much data and information, and as long as you're staying calm about it and letting them feel like they're in charge, you're winning. There's always going to be a time, though, when they're going to push that button where you say enough is enough. And when that happens, if y'all have ever seen the Tasmanian devil, <laughs> he gets nervous when an, when an accommodator, which is the personality you're talking about, when an accommodator steps in the room and they realize enough is enough, there's no, friend, no relationship in the moment, we become your worst nightmare because we become very vindictive to the point where you're going to wish you never met us. And you're going to want to go back to, where's that nice person at that, I, that I knew in the beginning? And that's going to help you to be able to do business. But at that point, you're going to have to realize, is that the kind of person you want to do business with? Okay. Yeah. So the, the problem is when we, when we do these things in our virtual classes or in-person classes, wherever it is, people feel like everybody wants to be assertive. I can tell you right now, as an assertive, that's not what you want to be. And if you are an assertive, you're the one that's going to have to change the most in using these skills. Because for me, it's very easy to be sarcastic and flippant, and I can pull it off like nobody's business, but it doesn't work in a conversation. So you kind of have to reroute your natural ways of doing things and take a more analytical or accommodating stance in your conversations. Because if you are full-on assertive, no one, no one is going to want to deal with you. You're going to be the bully in the room that no one wants to talk to. So, Derek and I used to do um, basic classes together uh, for the last couple of years until he graduated to bigger and better things and left me to the basic class on my own, which I love, <laughs> but, you know, um, Derek's my buddy, so it, it's nice to have him working with me. But we would do this basic class, and at the end of the basic class, he would look around and he would say, somebody tell me what personality type Sandy is. You know how many times somebody actually said I was assertive? Zero. Zero. But then once I said I was assertive, they were like, oh, yeah, okay, we can see that. <laughs> if you are assertive and you're not coming across as assertive and nobody can tell that you're assertive, you're doing it right. That's the better way to be. Being accommodating is the better way to be. But I will tell you, the accommodators are the scariest. Because they're all friendly, and they'll let you push them all day long until their back hits the wall, and they're going to come out with claws. Because they will take a lot. But when they're finally done, they are done. They are done. So just watch out for that. Okay. If you are going to be assertive with someone, it has to be preceded by empathy. In other words which is why I talked about the accusations audits. You need to have empathy already in the equation before you actually try to get assertive with somebody because then they're going to be in a mental place to be able to hear you and it's going to be okay. You're going to be using good tone. You're going to have accusations audits. All the stuff is going to be down. If you need to be assertive, you can be assertive. But you never want somebody to feel like you're slapping them across the face. So you know that you need to get to a place of empathy 
You need to use empathy when you're approaching the other side before you actually go and get assertive at all on them. And if you do that, then the assertion will go over okay. They might not like what you're saying, but they won't kill the messenger at that point because you've already shown them that you care, that you understand, that they're being heard. And then if you have to use a little bit of assertion, I mean, some of you, how many of you are running your own business or are a leader or supervisor in your business? Okay, a lot of you. So can you go without being assertive ever? No. But we're going to tell you how to do it in a nicer way today. And plus, if you're a leader, you should read Derek's book. If you've not read Derek's book, it's amazing for someone in a leadership position, I'm just going to tell you. And Derek was my supervisor. That's how I can say that. So he knows what he's doing. Ego, authority, failure. We actually, there you go. Chelsea's holding them up. We have some back there. That's the book on leadership that Derek wrote. It's basically leadership using tactical empathy. What's the book called? Ego, authority, failure. And side note, I think Derek signed all the copies. He got it back too. So. Oh, so yeah, signed copies. <laughs> Okay, so why do we use tactical empathy? Why do we think tactical empathy is the best way to go? Because people like to be understood. And in order to understand someone, you have to understand what their position is. You have to understand what it is they care about. And when you're listening at that higher level, you need to understand why whatever they're doing is important to them. And you also need to know who they have to influence which is important in a negotiation or when you're dealing with uh, you know, a subordinate, you need to know who they're having to influence on their side because everybody answers to somebody. So if you're in a negotiation with the other side and you're speaking with someone, you need to understand on their side where the pressure is coming from, who they have to influence with this information that you're giving them. You need to understand that to be able to talk to them and get where you need to go. All of this stuff that you do actually encourages reciprocity. So two things I want you to understand here. One, you're using tactical empathy because you want that reciprocity. You want them to, to, to give you the same consideration that you're giving them. But also, if you're coming at them in an assertive fashion and you're not using tactical empathy, you're going to encourage the wrong kind of reciprocity. That's the second point. Whatever you're giving is what you're going to get. So if you're giving tactical empathy and you're listening and you're understanding, then that's what you're going to get in return. Because a lot of this process, that's what it gets you to. It gets, gets that reciprocity given back to you on, on your side. 